Yeah. Man, what is this crap he's playing this morning, man? I don't know. It's, it's putting me in a bad mood. That's for sure. <laughs> little, little Kelly Reverb original here. Hey, now. And satiate, and now we talk. Uh, All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to thispinkcloud.com. Good morning, uh, good morning. I am DJ Kelly Reverb, and that is the Professor Nolan. The Professor Nolan, hanging out with the DJ. Try, try, hanging out in the DJ booth, right? Yeah. <laughs> try, trying not to get the Rona. Normally reserved for females, but well, of somehow course, I dude. snuck my way in there. Well, you, you maybe had uh, some sundries for me, so, uh, uh, you know. It's entirely you possible. Or you, or you were buying me shots all night. So <laughs> then you're cool. You can hang out. But hey, so I am just going to cut to the chase. And Charles, if you're ready over there, uh, we have a very special guest today. Wrote a little book. You might have heard of it. New York bestseller. Uh, it is called The Addicted Lawyer. And as you see, his beautiful face on the screen. <laughs> Hello, Brian Cuban. How y'all doing this morning? We are doing good. good. Doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? All good today. Cool. I like your background. You did a little prep work. You've done this before. I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, but you didn't wear a suit today, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> or, or at least a dicky. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a, cl a clip My on both time. Guys are at the dry cleaners. So oh, there you go. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. <laughs> we don't want you looking like a weatherman up there. <laughs> I don't mess with the bow ties because they just frustrate me and. I'll just go off on a tangent for like a week of anger after trying to tie a bow tie. Right. They're the uh, hardest things in the I world. I got you. Do. Well, that's why you get clip-ons. So, you know, I mean, that's how I roll. But then I'll know the whole time with the clip-on <laughs> and I'm, judge myself. <laughs> okay, I got you. <laughs> well, anyway, so, uh, Brian, I know we've got uh, an image of your book. We will pop that up. But uh, yeah. where do you want to start off? Because not everybody, obviously, has read your book. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it myself. Uh, obviously, I got the audio version because I don't read so well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read so good. But basically, why don't, we, why don't we start off with a story? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. Let's go. Okay, it's June 2006. Okay. The Dallas Mavs are going to the NBA championship for the first time. Right. We had had some success, and uh, since my brother Mark had bought the team in January of 2000, but it was our first trip to the big show. A lot mm -hmm. of excitement in the city and in my family. And as you might imagine, I was going to get some pretty good seats to those games. <laughs> you know somebody. Yes, I knew somebody. <laughs> I also had the opportunity to get a couple tickets for friends. I called up Mark, said, sure, Bri, come on over, get the tickets. Do you think I gave them to my friends? <laughs> well, sort of. Maybe. Maybe. Well, maybe I know not. what you're thinking. I, this guy sold them on eBay for some astronomical amount. Right? Oh, yeah, sure. Think, thinking like a lawyer. Well, I didn't do that either because that would be disrespectful to Mark, to the team. What I did was I took those two tickets and traded them to my drug dealer for $1,000 in cocaine. A perfect Selling solution. Selling them on eBay was disrespectful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Them to my drug dealer was perfectly acceptable. How uh, the mind works in addiction. Yeah, of and course. I understand the logic. It makes yeah. perfect sense to me. <laughs> my dealer shows up at my house. I was high class. He delivered. Uh, in I record time, him. right? Yeah. <laughs> big time. Big time lawyer. My 20th year as a practicing lawyer. I traded him. The, I handed him the two tickets. He gives me this giant Ziploc baggie of cocaine. I go running upstairs to my home office. I dump it out, out on the desk 
this mountain of cocaine, my cocaine kingdom. Like I looked at it like I'm Scarface. I wanted to go. <laughs> Tony Montana. Yeah, Tony Montana Cuban had the little. <laughs> there you go. There was a joke in there, right? Because he was Cuban. Yeah, but, uh, I, can see it. I can see it. But don't. And of course, I had to do something. I pull out the dollar bill and roll it up. And cocaine users can be a funny bunch, especially in the, in the COVID era. We'll use the hand sanitizer, right? Make sure everything is just clean. But we'll shove a dollar bill up our nose. <laughs> yeah, that's God safe. God knows where. That's perfectly safe. Yeah. Who has all kinds of crap on who, who's, who's, the last which nine strip, Yeah, which stripper's uh, crack has that been in? <laughs> I mean, you try not to think about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so well, were you were you stepping it up and using at least a twenty dollar bill? I, I don't remember, but uh, <laughs> whatever worked, whatever was there. Yeah, yeah, whatever was there. Gotcha. Uh, we used to. I used to go to uh, Albertsons wherever, and I'd buy a bunch of straws and just clip them all. Yeah. Oh, good job. That is the uh, yeah, because you will never lose all those straws. They'll be there well, somewhere. The two S's: straws and strainers from Albertsons. Take <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cocaine and go e -e -e and get it in with powder. There yeah. you go. I was a I was a two quarter guy. Like where yeah. you take the, but I was getting small amounts, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you use whatever, I mean, if you're out in a club, you use whatever right. was necessary. But in any event, so, but cocaine has long stopped giving me the feeling of love and self-love and uh -huh. confidence that, that I had achieved when I did it in the bathroom of uh, the Crescent Hotel at an old, old club called Bone Ash downstairs. I remember that well. In the summer of 1987, I remember it well. Sure. <laughs> first time and instantly and looked in the mirror and for the first time in my life uh love myself and uh, <laughs> but, uh i'm beautiful yes, yes. <laughs> it was after a life of a lot of self-hatred and loathing and yeah. so this empty feeling in my stomach and all of a sudden wow okay and so i had to have that feeling again and again and again and cocaine and alcohol took over my life but there was also the paranoia from long-term cocaine use i did the lines do I hear the cops outside? I go out and peek out my window looking downstairs. Yeah. SWAT, expecting SWAT to come busting through. I mean, I have this mountain of cocaine. I'm a lawyer. Yeah, I know I can go to jail. <laughs> I could probably get disbarred as well. <laughs> yes. But what's the definition of addiction? Obsessive compulsive drug seeking behavior in the face of known consequences. Of course, I knew it was illegal. But uh, so I, I, I got very paranoid. I put the cocaine back in the Ziploc baggie. I hid it. Mm -hmm. and I drove to a Home Depot where I bought electrical faceplate outlets to drill in a saw. <laughs> Perfectly I, reasonable. Yep. Yeah. I drove back to my house, went upstairs to the closets in the, in the different rooms, took the saw and the drill, bzz, 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 and I cut, cut out these rectangular holes into the uh, <laughs> drywall. Yeah. And I created these fake electrical outlets. <laughs> Perfect. That I had seen in a Sky Mall magazine on a trip. I have seen that magazine, actually. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, the hidden compartment. Where they, they, they advertise these fake electrical outlets where you could hide your jewelry. Yeah, that's and, what they're uh, right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make a real one, and it's not going to work, but I'm going to hide my cocaine. Yes. Right. Not, not my jewelry, but my cocaine. So right. I did that, and I put it in all these smaller Ziploc baggies, the blow, and I closed it all up. Bzz, 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 bzz. Thinking I'm the smartest lawyer ever. Like the DEA, <laughs> the cops, and the drug dogs have never thought of that one. And they're not yeah. going to smell that, the dogs. Like yeah, no one will notice just random face plates and closets <laughs> and That's places. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Probably like off center or was it off kilter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, How were your woodworking you. skills? <laughs> so I, I, I did a couple more lines and again, just pain and shame and uh, mm-hmm. paranoia. And it was never about, well, maybe I have a problem. It was about maybe I need to change dealers. Maybe <laughs> I need to switch out the Jack Daniels for the Great Goose to find that right mixture. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that right balance. And then the paranoia again. I go back to the electrical outlets, open them all up. Bzz, 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 bzz. I take out the cocaine. I walk to my bathroom in my the master bedroom and drop to my knees and flush it down the toilet. Now it's nine hundred dollars worth of cocaine. <laughs> and and of that's course, nice, the that's, there. So that's two thousand six prices. Yeah, that, and that was the two thousand six <laughs> prices. The next morning comes, and it so often happens when a perceived negative event in addiction gets in the rearview mirror. I wake up. I'm such an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I really flushed that down the toilet. There's yeah. another game tonight. Another call to my dealer. He showed another call to Mark for two more tickets. Another call to my dealer. He shows up at my house. He said, "Dude, you did all that last night." You're really good. A couple eight balls, actually, three and a half ounces of cocaine. So yeah. about seven ounces of cocaine or so. I remember. I forget how much it was and what the prices were, but it was a lot. Sure. And I, I didn't want to tell him I flushed it down the toilet like a moron. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make you look stupid. Yeah. yeah. Give me more cocaine. I am the cocaine anteater of Dallas. <laughs> okay, dude, here you go. Back up to my home office. Again, line some out. This time's going to be different. It wasn't. Paranoia again. Back to the closets. Bzz, 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 hide it again. Do a couple more lines. Paranoia again. Take it back out again. Go back to that same bathroom for the second night in a row. Drop to my knees like I'd done so many times before, hoping, praying, or someone to take away the pain of my addiction and flushed it down the toilet again. They say when Dallas flushes, it ends up in Houston. So some people in Houston. <laughs> I like that. Well, the quote unquote insanity yeah. of addiction, doing the yeah. same thing over and over the same way and expecting a different result. Yeah. But of yeah. course, you know, it's not insane. It's a biological brain based process. Right. Yeah. I love that story. I, you know, for one, I think anyone who's been through addiction can relate to that whole crazy process. I mean, it kind of covers all the. It hits all the uh, highlights of addiction. You know what I mean? Like a normal person would be excited to go to a basketball game, but it's, you know, the addict's mind takes it a whole different route. And then, yeah, yeah maybe have a, absolutely. maybe have a beer or two at the game. And then yeah. just <laughs> throwing away all the drugs or throwing away whatever. Oh. And then oh. an hour later, 10 minutes later, the next day, whatever, thinking you overreacted terribly. And either upset with yourself or digging through the trash or whatever. I mean, or know. did you actually go back to those uh, faux outlets and go, damn it, I know I left some here. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was funny. After, I, I guess I had been uh, in recovery about six months. And I was moving and I was cleaning out my house. Right. Uh, and I was, <laughs> I pulled out this giant shoebox of change and I'm digging through it. And under and there is this baggie of blow that I had hidden. Oh, nice! And you hid it from yourself. Into, I mean, I'm six months into recovery. Looking. Oh for wow, dude! And uh, and of course, it crossed my mind. You know what? Sure. I could snort this. No one would know. And uh, I go to I go to that same toilet, and I'm looking at down at the water in the bowl, <laughs> and I'm holding it. And like on an, if you ever seen Animal House, the little devils come up on you. Oh yeah, of ass. course. <laughs> One's like, do it. No one will know. Just do it. Yeah, right. 
and the other one goes, Brian, don't you do that. You know, you <laughs> and I flushed it. I flushed it. Well, nice. Yeah, trying to work up the courage to flush it while simultaneously trying to work up the courage to do it in that weird battle that takes place. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a turning point, though. Good thing you flushed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might not be talking to each other same, at this point. That same uh, mental ba- battle happened happen also in that period, same period with a bar of Xanax I found. I had mm-hmm. a huge dependence on Xanax. I mm. went to a brutal withdrawal uh, because I would do blow all night and then yep. I would Xanax with myself. Through yeah, the you'd have to do the Elvis. Pretty common. Yeah, yeah you'd have game. to do the Elvis, get up to go, and then, you know, come down at so some point. The, the problem with that is I was also a practicing lawyer, so I ended up... Uh, yeah, that might get in the uh, way. I ended up having... I, I ended up going to court hearings under the influence of Xanax. I ended up having to do blow in the courthouse bathrooms to counter affect the Xanax. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I remember getting called down to an emergency te- temporary restraining order hearing and I had already popped a bar. So I had to do some Xan- I did. I had to do some blow just to counterbalance uh, to get in the pocket to get down to that hearing. And yeah. It was just awful. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I love that. And then uh, I also uh, love the story. I know you lived in the uh, village, right? Yes. So th- we call it the Villaggio. Have you ever heard that term? <laughs> the Villaggio. Yeah, and, that's, that's what uh, we called it to fancy it up. Yeah, I was living in the village well before the Villaggio was built. So uh, No, 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 but the Villaggio with a V. So, you know, yeah. you make it sound like Vegas. But um, yeah, but I, yeah, I would have never made it because this was 86, 87. I true. remember uh, uh, lots, of, uh, lots of happy hours at the Village Country Club. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that was at the time when you got hit by the car with the Egg McMuffins. I got to hear that. Yeah, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was at some bar with my pal uh-huh. called Legends in uh, the village, and they had the. I got a story about and, that. Uh, and they had this giant boxing ring in the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. And you know how it was back then. Every place around Greenville became popular. Then it would close, unless it was, a, lot, <laughs> a few of them had staying power. But uh, you had Confetti's, you had Legends, you had uh, Studebaker's, you had all these different bars popping up and closing. Tijuana but, Yacht uh, Club. So I had been, uh, I was at this bar and I'd been just going and blowing and then going into the bathroom and doing blow. And it was the bar closed about two in the morning. And my buddy, we, we stop at McDonald's where I buy all of these, which is right across the street from the village on Southwestern. Oh yeah. 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 And it's still there. I know it. Well, we, uh, I bought six or seven or so egg McMuffins (laughs) and had them in this bag and we're, crossing a, and we're driving my place which is right around the corner i i forget i was living on shady brook and mm. uh and so i'm munching i'm munching on these egg mcmuffins he lets me out and i have an egg mcmuffin in my mouth and i i step out the door he pulls away and boom i get <laughs> hit by this car it hits me in the legs and it flips me up over the car Oof. and down on the i hit the windshield roll off the hood and back out onto the street <laughs> I'm just lying there and I had on a white polo, a button down polo that is now covered, that is now turning red. I wasn't hurt seriously. Right. But I had all these cuts and scrapes. It, and I was it, was, it was merely a flesh wound, right? <laughs> yeah. A bunch of little cut, death right. by a thousand cuts. Yeah, but, there you uh, go. <laughs> but the shirt's turning red from blood. Sure. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what happened. I'm still high on blow. And, and you've got your egg McMuffin in your hand, yeah, right? You save yeah. the egg, egg McMuffin. The, bag, the bag's <laughs> lying next to me, right? And so these two people are staring down at me, 
and the woman is screaming, what did you do? What did you do? This is your fault. And I start laughing. <laughs> and I'm laughing at them. And I'm high on cocaine. And I, I have no idea what's happened. And then the guy, he uses the B word. He goes, get back in the car, B word. And they just leave me there. They get back in the car and and they drive off. Uh, so man, these, that is great. These guys come from across the street on the other side of the street. This guy comes, he's looking down at me and he's a paramedic. And uh, they saw what had happened. So they, uh, I said, just help me back into my house. He says, and I don't know if this part's in the book or not. Uh, he said, you shouldn't be alone in case you have a concussion. True. And I said, no, I'm fine. Just, uh, he had to ask if I wanted to go to hospital. I said, no. And so I go back into their place and we smoked weed all night. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I like this. Yeah. And uh, we smoked weed all night at his place. And then I finally went back to my place and my ribs had started hurting. So now mm -hmm. we're getting into Sunday. My ribs are starting to hurt. I no big deal. Just a bruise. Monday morning comes. I show up at work and I'll, I go <clears throat> and I can no longer <laughs> breathe. Mm. So I drive myself to the hospital and I broke a couple ribs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cocaine and uh, alcohol saw you through and the weed saw you through that uh, pain window. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, the fun times of addiction, right? I oh, mean, yeah. What a mess. Sure. I, wanted, what a mess. I wanted to ask you because like, I, you know, I started DJing right around 87, 88. So that was back in your prime days of partying. So like, uh, do you ever remember a club called Profiles? Uh, in the Centrum, Centrum building? No, nothing. My my hangout, my big hangouts were stands blown out. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Greenville. So you were a Greenville guy. Uh, it just, yeah, the whiskey bar, fast and cool. Uh, oh, yeah. The first nightclub I ever went to in Dallas was before I even moved to Dallas. I came down to visit Mark uh -huh. while I was in law school. Uh huh. And he took me to Fast and Cool. And Mark, Mark was the king of Fast and Cool. I bet, dude. <laughs> there was this guy, Bernard the Doorman, knew Mark, and they took me in there. And Mark would buy these $5, $10 bottles of rock cut champagne, and he would buy a bunch of them. And he'd just walk around with these champagnes offering drinks to people. And he was <laughs> big. And I loved it. That's hilarious. Uh, Speaking of that, I want to talk about the uh, the gold pants, dude. <laughs> it was mentioned in the book. Uh, I love this story. So you're, I, I, I literally imagined your brother in his room dancing to The Hustle by Van McCoy uh, and wearing some, some gold pants <laughs> and uh, just getting his 70s on, huh? Yeah, yeah. He gave me a pair of shiny gold bell-bottom <laughs> disco pants that were his. Right. And it's actually not a good remembrance story because uh, I was a heavy kid, and this is a lot of the trauma I went through in life, and uh, those pants ended up being the focal point of my being bullied and uh, being physically assaulted mm -hmm. and uh, having those pants ripped off me down in my underwear a mile from home. And uh, it's something I talk about a lot and talk about bullying. Right. Yeah, that's so, definitely one of those movie moments, you know, like, uh, but, you know, you can kind of turn it into a like a super bad comedy moment. Well, or <laughs> I mean, trauma. Uh, Addiction has a very strong correlation to trauma and sure. childhood trauma. So, well, there is a funny part to Mark teaching disco and all that, but uh, it was not a fun story for me. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I did have a pair of shiny gold bell-bottom disco pants he gave to me. I wore them. They didn't fit me that well. And I ended up beginning 
getting bullied severely over my wearing them and actually physically assaulted. How tall now? Yeah, because I mean, to paint a mental picture, you were how tall and wearing gold pants? Well, I was over six foot and uh, won about 260 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark, Mark was not a big kid uh, yeah. in terms of weight. They fit him fine, but my butt looked like 15 cats trying to get out with <laughs> You had and some ha hail damage back there? Yeah, they got hanging over. <laughs> there you go. Mark and I are very close. They, yeah. I love my, and they were his uh, gift to me, and I wore them. And uh, yeah. and I said, "Screw those kids," and uh, they said, uh, "Screw you." <laughs> well, and and that kind of leads into uh, another. You know, we talked about alcohol and cocaine a little bit, but something else that you bring up um, at times in the book is steroids. You know. Yes, I uh, I had very severe body image. Uh, I, I've struggled over my life with very severe body image issues called body dysmorphic disorder. Pretty and common in drug addicts and alcoholics is, too. Yeah. Is when you take a smaller non-existent defect uh, in your perceived reflection and exaggerate it to the point where it affects your ability to function quote unquote, unquote normally in life. Anytime I looked in the mirror, I just saw this huge fat pig as I used to be called at school and such. And uh, I circled through all these destructive behaviors trying to see something else. And one of those destructive behaviors was anabolic steroids. And I went through a period of very severe anabolic steroid abuse. And I grew huge. I grew huge. Yeah. And, uh, but no matter how big I got, I still saw the same uh, monster in the mirror. And uh, it became a, quite a problem. I almost lost my left leg because I, I used, I was, I injected myself in my leg. Well, still, uh, under the influence of cocaine from the night before. And, you, and with anabolic steroids, you have to use a very sterile protocol and different needles and all the, all this stuff so you don't get a staph infection. Mm. And I ended up getting a staph infection and letting it go. And when they finally operated on it, it was in question whether they'd be able to save my life, which they did. But I still have some residual issues to this day. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, anytime you're messing around with needles, there's a little bit of a, a risk of staff and things like that, you know, I, abscesses. Since, uh, and whatnot, but given that we're, we're, we're going short on town, I think it's important for everyone to know that I have been in recovery from all of these things for uh, 13 and a half years now. I'm in long-term recovery yep. from cocaine, alcohol. Uh, I've also struggled with bulimia. Uh, and purging, uh, yeah. By the way, I'm, I want to take a moment here, and Charles is going to pull up this uh, studly picture of you I found on the internet. I did some pre-production of you by the pool, where you're all like uh, golden yeah, boyed out. That's a, yeah. Oh, that's let me. Do you have it, Charles? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it coming up on the screen here? Or are we going to zoom it up here? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to see how uh, and appreciate the uh, beautiful man that Brian was and how he could still, I mean, cause uh, come on. I mean, I'm a heterosexual, happily married man, but you know, I mean, that was a good looking dude well, by the pool. You know, let's, well, let's make some, there, there, there we, we go. There we go. Oh wait. Yeah. You got to center it. Who, whoever that guy is in the background, we'll blur him out later. There we go. Look at that guy. Look at that beefcake. You know what I see? You know what I see? I see, look at that douchebag. <laughs> look at that sunglass-wearing, hat-ass-backward douchebag. That's what I see. I hear you. I hear you. It can go both ways. The um, Well, you know what? Let's, let's jump to that. So what was the sort of turning point? What brought about sobriety for you? I mean, obviously, there was a long period of... Um, the drugs and alcohol maybe not quite working like they used to. 
Um, but you just kind of stay in that. So at least that's what I did, certainly. And it sounds well, like from reading the book, that's what you did. During that time, there was also uh, a near suicide attempt in 2000, the summer of 2005, where my brothers took me to uh, Green Oaks Hospital. Mm. Uh, three failed marriages, all failing because of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Although I'm very happily married today by the uh, congratulations to the, woman, to the woman who was with me uh, for rock bottom. And then finally, uh, it's my second trip to Green Oaks in 2005 was the turning point. And uh, I walked in the next day, I walked into the rooms of 12 step, mm-hmm. uh, which for those uh, the most well known of uh, the AA? alcohol 12 step is AA, but there sure. are others. Right. Sure. NA, uh, all that. Yeah. Hey, so, so a question real quick. Who was the one, who was the person or was it yourself that called you out on your addiction that said, Hey, was it just a self-awakening or was it like, did Mark come to you and go, dude, uh, <laughs> you know, you're well, pushing. Mark had called me out a couple times and even uh-huh. said a point cause I was working for Mark. Right. Uh, for a period of time and said, if you show up again like that, you're fired. Right. Yep. And uh, so Mark called me out a couple times and uh, probably didn't think but, anything uh, my, of my it. Right. Wa- I mean, the second time uh, was with my current wife and uh, we had to, we dated for over a decade before we got married because I had to rebuild the broken trust. She came home uh, after visiting her parents for a weekend and I had had a two-day drug and alcohol-induced blackout, and she found me mm. in bed, and she didn't know anything about my uh, problems. Right. And uh, I had hidden them all. I had a JD in law, but I had a PhD in camouflaging. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to be good, good at, good that. at that. that if you're good at your habit. If if you're good at your habit, then uh, you definitely yeah, have to cover your tracks for sure. Because that's survival, right? Absolutely. Everyone is how you survive. But, Absolutely. Uh, and so that was, we, we ended up dating for over 10 years while I had to rebuild the broken trust. And so now we've been married over four years, four years, but uh, so big going, been together going on uh, 15 years. Would you like to give your wife a shout out? Amanda, shout out. I love you. I love you, babe. <laughs> yeah. That's always, that always scores points. So, but, uh, <laughs> so I would have to say it was her. I mean, it was a progress. Yeah. Uh, she, and my brothers and uh, everyone was happy that I uh, began my journey. And of course, everyone was a bit skeptical mm-hmm. uh, because you can't recover for everyone else, right? Sure. You got to do it for uh, yourself, right? You have to do it for yourself and you can't try to make people not skeptical. And so, uh, and I had to do it for me. And so uh, I've, uh, I've, Stayed in the rooms of 12 step, went to meeting after meeting. After and meeting. another question off of that, did you actually go seek treatment? I know you went to Green Oaks, but that's more no, of I a not, mental. I did okay. not recover in residential treatment. I, uh, I did not go to residential treatment. My okay. therapies were, I have a, I still see a psychiatrist. Sure. Years, same guy. Right. And, uh, and 12 step. Right. Yep. Well, and you know, I like the way that you you put that. I think there's this idea that rock bottom is some sort of magical one-time event or some sort of, um, you know, I don't, I don't it's know. A, really. It's a work in progress. It is a to work me. in progress in even, a lot of cases. I use the term rock bottom for all your viewers to have sure. context. I don't even like the term. Yeah, me but either. <laughs> the, goal, the goal should be to find recovery at the highest possible point. Not Absolutely. Uh, there's there's no reason why you have to lose everything before you decide that this isn't Absolutely going well. Not. I was I was well on my way to losing everything, but luckily I had uh, I hooked it into uh, Summer Sky. Yeah. Well, we have to, I mean, I, I would be disingenuous to not acknowledge the substantial privilege I've had in uh, both addiction and recovery. If, right. uh, I have a very few people in this world have a uh, 
billionaire brothers <laughs> they love each other dearly and if not for my family uh because there was a point where i had no clients left i didn't have a job right and uh, my family uh made sure i didn't live under a bridge and sure. the vast majority of people do not have that privilege mm -hmm. and, uh, and actually wind up under that, that bridge yeah yeah, yeah. people people come from broken families dysfunctional families families they uh with people who go to jail and they do end up living under bridges and things like that. And uh, I, sh I have to acknowledge that I have privilege. Yeah. I have skin color privilege. I have financial privilege. I have many types of privilege. Sure. And we have to acknowledge that. Right. No, no, no. And then uh, let's uh, go a little backstory. I know you came from Pittsburgh. So are you a Steelers fan? Absolutely. Oh, no Steelers. Oh, my God. Pirates, Penguins. <laughs> Penguins, okay. I got you. I got you. Guys, I'm going to have to run. Okay. Uh, hey, let's get a copy of his book up, Charles, if we can. Can we pull that up real quick just so everybody can see it? Yeah, really enjoyed it so far. I'm almost done with it, by the way, Brian. Uh, got maybe four or five chapters still left, but uh, really enjoyed it. Very candid. I mean, I enjoy any drug addict or alcoholic story, really, to tell you the truth, and it's it's a good one. Uh, we didn't have oh, time. Well, thanks. Yeah, we didn't have time to touch on everything in the book, but it's super interesting, guys. And we would, and out. we would definitely love to have you back again uh, when we can uh, allocate a little more time. But uh, you know, I, I appreciate Just, uh, you squeezing us in. And hey, by the way, tell your bro um, that uh, I actually own the Mark Cuban. What a goofball. Dot com. So I, <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Uh, so uh, okay. I, I uh, have the markcuban.com and I'd be willing to transfer ownership for uh, maybe season tickets or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, not we're going to not my area. There. So, hey, Mark, uh, you know, now it's out there. <laughs> um, Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, for the time. I Thanks appreciate it. And, and I'd love to hit, uh, you know, a 12 step meeting with you since sure, we're in the same time. area. I'm, uh, press, uh, well, I won't say, I won't yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, right. I got you. Uh, no, meet I'll, but me, I'll, uh, meet me, uh, reach out to me offline and I'll tell you what group I'm in. Okay. And then, uh, do you have a planned meeting that you're going to, or do you just kind of go whenever you want? The last few have been virtual and I, I don't plan on doing, uh, right. a not from that particular group, just virtual meetings. I uh, gotcha. I'm cool. very sensitive to, to COVID and, right. uh, understood. And so I don't. Until there's a vaccine, I'll be very uh, reluctant to go to in-person meetings. Okay, I understand. I understand. Hey, and then once again, thanks for your time. I can't, uh, you know, express it enough, and I'd love to have you back on, and we sure. can uh, talk more about uh, whatever kind of good stuff you want to talk about. Reach out to me, and we'll schedule something else with a little more time. Okay, sounds, sounds great. I have appreciate your time. Brian. Okay, have a good Thanks, one. Have, have a great Friday, week. Brian. I know, I did that on purpose for you. <laughs> have, a wonder, have a wonderful weekend. All right, bud. Take care, man. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, and if we can just get a copy of his book up so all the kids can see it. Oh, you saw it? Okay, it was already up. All right, and then you had his website up and all that good stuff. So reach out to him. He does a lot of speaking engagements. Totally good dude. And, uh, you know, just a... Uh, uh, you know, a guy in recovery, yeah. like us, yeah, like absolutely. us. Yeah, you get that. Uh, if if you've ever struggled with alcoholism or addiction, uh, one chapter in, you realize, oh yeah, it's just a normal alcoholic and drug addict, just like the rest of us. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like I'm just like totally relating to exactly what uh, 
you know what he uh, yeah. what he says. I mean, it's just it's kind of like like you said the other week where we're not unique. You no. know, it's not like uh, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here or inventing yeah. the wheel. I convinced you know? myself I was very unique. Yeah, right. Um, but no, you know, uh, one thing we didn't get a chance to touch on that he brings up a few times in that book that I thought was really interesting is how in the profession of lawyers alcoholism is rampant oh yeah for sure almost uh if i remember correctly it was about seven or eight times more likely for someone as a lawyer than just a normal you know non-lawyer in the regular human population it was like three to five percent of Mm -hmm. yeah anyways um and you know i he he kind of theorizes as to why that is or whatever but um yeah, I wonder as well. I mean, I don't know if it's like the stress of the position or if it's just the party lifestyle. Well, that sometimes like goes like along he with like it. he said in his book, it was basically kind of like you know the whole alcohol portion of it was accepted, you know, yeah. and you know everybody had the uh, decanters and yeah. <laughs> the crystal decanters with probably or like the Louis the Tray, depending on your uh, success level. Or and like, uh, like an episode of Mad Men or yeah, something. Yeah, and then you know just uh, have a highball there at the meeting and. Uh, you you know, yeah, I'll take it neat, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And that was just acceptable. But then, you know, when you start pairing it with uh, other fun stuff, uh, sure. you know, it uh, and then, it, you know, honestly, if you just start drinking on a regular basis and and it just becomes commonplace, then, hey, man, you have a chance of becoming an alcoholic. Yeah, it becomes your job. Yeah, exactly, it, yeah. and that's that, and that's you know, of course, it's all about me, you know. But uh, that's where I tie <laughs> it in because I mean, I basically got paid to party for a living. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know, we brought it up a little bit. You know, he was talking about um, throwing, you know, flushing everything down the toilet. The <laughs> I love day, that. I love buying that. more, flushing it again. You know, I threw away uh, drugs and paraphernalia like in a fit of, oh, my God, I've got to change my life. I'm throwing it away. I would throw it in the trash and then dig it out of the trash later. I started to get wise to myself, (laughs) and I began throwing it away in public trash cans, like at a park or outside of a convenience store, so that I couldn't go back and dig it out later. Uh, I still tried a couple times, but, you know. Hey, at least I'm improving. Right. Well, I mean, the thing on. the thing is, is what he was talking about flushing it. Yeah. That's permanent. I mean, you know. Yeah. I guess a part of me never wanted to get that permanent. With it, <laughs> you wanted to have just yeah. a, maybe a small opportunity to go get it from something, from something the public like park to fetch your uh, yeah. discarded cocaine. Yeah. And I'm always, always really interested when people start talking about how um, either childhood trauma or just that sort of feeling of emptiness he kind of touched on a little bit, how alcohol and drugs kind of solve that. I'm, you know, it's this weird, uh, it's like an obsession of mine, really. I think it's kind of interesting how um, I'm not sure which comes first. Is it the, the emptiness and then alcohol fills it? Or does after time it well, makes it I, worse? I, and I honestly think it's kind of like what he was saying is, you know, it just gives you that confidence, yeah. even though that's it's kind of a false confidence. It makes you feel good. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, for a temporary window. Yeah. And then it gets into uh, where you need it all the time. And then you're an alcoholic or addict. Wow. <laughs> so uh, other than that, uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. We want to also mention thanks to Summer Sky, and you can yes. probably throw their address up. Uh, I was talking to Scott, and we were missing you in the IOP, which is uh, 
uh, intense outpatient therapy. Intensive so. outpatient, yeah. Um, well, you know, you still got a little ways to catch up to me in uh, meetings attended there. But, uh, right. Well, no, um, Summer Sky Residential Treatment Center in Stephenville, Texas, also uh, one of our sponsors. And Kelly and I are both alumni of the uh, prestigious facility. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a good place. And most importantly, I always like to say this anytime it's brought up, it, the people there. Uh, you know, I've been to a few uh, residential treatment facilities, and, and the people there really, really care, really genuinely care. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with why um, – People kind of rave about it that have been. There. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's 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 not the Taj Mahal, but uh, you know, it's it's just a special place. I mean, yeah. to us, yeah, you know, at least. So, but um, you know, I'm excited about our uh, guest next week. We actually have uh, Dusty Burrows, uh, and he is from uh, Sober Basics, mm-hmm. and that's So Bar. S-O-B-A-R, yep. basics, because, you know, we're all in the bar industry, and uh, a lot of us uh, wind up uh, in special places. Special places? Is <laughs> yeah. that what we're calling it? Is that, sure. Why um, not? But, yeah, Dusty will be on, um, and, you know, just like always, we'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, shoot the bleep with yeah. uh, Dusty and kind of um, get a little backstory on him, maybe share a little backstory of us. Um but yeah, just to you know, just to kind of thank Brian again for his time. Um, enjoyed the book so far. If you haven't read it, if you enjoy books like that, check it out. Um, it is a good one. It's pretty interesting, and um, yeah, you know, uh, just to kind of reiterate, alcoholism, drug addiction doesn't really care who uh, who you are. If you uh, if you use to excess, then uh, you can cross that line into into addiction, and uh, regardless of your family or your brother, as in, uh, you know, Brian was talking about a billionaire brother and a lawyer. Didn't matter at all. Right. Alcohol and drugs kind of took him down there. Well, you know, since uh, we're kind of on the war story vein, you know, like he was telling about war stories, sure. right? Uh, I would like to uh, you to tell the good folks out there your war story. and Which, that invol- which, uh, which should we go with the Target war story? You, or? you like this one. so I'll, It's a good one. I'll do this one for you, Kelly. It's a good one. Okay. okay. A, a special dedication. For, for Kelly Reverb. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, for those for those of you that don't know, uh, a drug addict and alcoholic right here, um, IV heroin user, IV heroin and cocaine. Well, really anything. Anything that was in front of you? Yeah, anything that salts. uh, I never did bath salts, but, you know, what a bummer. I never did bath (laughs) salts. I must have missed out. I never did Molly, Uh, damn it. (laughs) No, so uh, at this point in my life, I'm probably about 22 years old, something like that. 21, 22, Uh I don't know. Um, And I'm not in good shape. Uh, It has not been going well for me out there. Okay. Um, let's call it some bad luck. What? Let's see. What? What would your weight be at that time? Uh, well, at this point, I'm living in a 1992 Honda Accord. Okay. Yeah, which is right. you know, solid. Not bad. Um, I, occasionally, I'm able to convince this guy to let me crash on his couch, mm. um, but that's not that's going to dry up pretty soon because I stole some things from his garage. You and borrowed I, them, yeah, right? just well, without asking. And I've got, and I know I'm going to need some money to get those out of pawn to get the, you know, just the, <laughs> the nonsense that sure, goes on but, yeah. um, with someone like me. So, anyways, I get this idea that I'm, you know, I'm tired of stealing little stuff and you know coming up with fifty dollars and seventy five dollars here and there to try and keep my habit afloat. I'm going to hit the mother load, you know. I'm going to get, 
I'm gonna hit the big lick, as we call right. it. Right. <laughs> so I get this idea that I am gonna go to Target, and I'm gonna fill a shopping cart full of DVDs. Oh, sure. This and that is, was when it was kind of newer technology and yeah, everybody was into like the DVDs. this is like 2002 or something. The resale market was good. Right. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. yeah like sure. 2001, 2002. Uh -huh. I'm going to fill an entire shopping cart full of DVDs, and then I'm just going to go out the front door. And it's all <laughs> going to happen so fast, there's no way they can catch me. Sure. You know? Even if they see me on camera, it doesn't matter. I'll be gone before they get me. Um, and uh, I remember having the thought before... Well, first off, I told someone I was going to do this, and he looked right at me and goes, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Do and not do that. Did he end up being the driver for you? No. Guy, okay. He ended up being right is what he ended up being. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so um, I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I'm going to get my nice polo knit on. That way I'd look. Oh, you look somewhat respectable. Yeah, right? I look inconspicuous there. They won't ever suspect anyone in a polo knit. I've got hair out to here. Right. out to here right i'm 115 pounds of mm -hmm. awesome or whatever i am at this point um anyway so i go into target i fill up the shopping cart full of dvds i start to go to the front door and as i'm walking to the front door i see two big what are loss prevention guys <laughs> sure closing in come they're on the swarm, outside swarm and swarm kind of stop me there <laughs> as i see them I, I pause the cart and start looking at the sunglasses like oh, it's oh yes i have I, I have over 200 dvds yeah. in here in my basket but i'm gonna get some sunglasses yeah. too while i'm at it as i'm doing the sunglasses <laughs> two more come up behind me they grab me uh-huh um they start leading me to their you little you never even made it to the door did you I got to the door. Right. I never made it out the door. Okay. Um, it wouldn't have mattered anyways, by the way, because my getaway driver had got away. He drove off. <laughs> yeah. There was no car waiting for me out there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I could just see Nolan with the hair flowing, running yeah. through the Target parking lot with a cart full of I DVDs. I promise you I would not have abandoned the DVDs. <laughs> that, that would not have happened. <laughs> Anyways, so they grab me and they start leading me to the little room where they're going to, you know, interrogate me or whatever. Sure. What were, you, what were your intentions here? What were you going to yeah. <laughs> And um, they've got me by each arm and they've got me pretty you know good or whatever and in my head is just this thing playing over and over again like don't get caught don't get caught don't get caught like whatever you do don't get caught right mm -hmm. so um i i tell them i'm like you know you don't have to hold me like that like i'm not going anywhere i think those are my exact words and right. for whatever reason they let me go which was a terrible move by them sure. the second their grip loosened i took off okay <laughs> well they had already locked the doors so there was no getting out of target <laughs> so what i start doing is my best barry sanders impression <laughs> you start all, people. all around the checkout area at target <laughs> whoever was shopping at target that day got a show <laughs> I, I still think about that, like the families or whatever that were there just checking out. You're like, what is this guy doing? Just <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, pulling little moves and spin moves and stuff. Uh, they had cool. about seven or eight loss prevention guys trying <laughs> to get me after you i was slippery i was slippery well <laughs> right? still in my you know early 20s and sure you had some wheels i guess yeah you. yeah i guess and probably chemically induced wheels at that point <laughs> yeah, right that, that hurt. or at least chemically enhanced enhanced yeah. yeah um anyways i got caught i got tackled so they I, I went to jail that day they tackled you and then went to jail and what was the what was the charge uh it was 
uh, misdemeanor theft. Um, well, so it should have been felony theft because it was over $1,000. Sure. Um, but they took pity on me and right. gave me class A of uh, 500 to 1,000. And did you did you have like uh, 20 copies of one video? Like really? No. I like 20 copies of teaching Mrs. Tingle. No, <laughs> or I kind of like just that. put a bunch of new stuff in there. I mean, I don't, it was a terrible Were idea. you shopping for yourself? And, and you, you going, know, oh, I like that. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I feel like I need to say that. So that's, that's kind of a funny story, right? Sure. Or at yeah. least, you know, self deprecatingly mm. funny. Right. right. What's not funny, though, mm. is um, I went to jail. And as I started to detox in jail, I convinced my sister to bond me out. Ah. She bonded me out. She let me move in with her mm. after that. And I repaid that by stealing a bunch of her stuff oh. and taking that to the pawn shop. What a good brother. Uh, TVs yeah. and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, for every funny, silly story I've got, Generally yeah. on the back end is some sort of story where well, that's a little sadness. Yeah, it's a little I reality. Hurt some relationship or For sure. or or something just to kind of keep it going because I didn't I didn't know what else to do. I guess I don't know. You don't. Oh, well, when you're in that situation, you don't think about the repercussions or how it's going to affect anybody else at all. Oh, I think about it. It just yeah. doesn't outweigh the need to get more. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the target story. I always. Uh, the Target story. The Target story. I, I just love the picture. Sorry, of you Target. Running <laughs> you, you running around doing all the really the, I, the cone drill. Yeah, to, <laughs> I, I, I stayed. I stayed loose for a good ninety seconds there. I nice. Mean, I was putting, and you had like a the full court press. Like a, you had like seven guys coming after. They you. were coming for me. Yeah, they were coming <laughs> for me. Great. They were. Yeah, it it pays to be shifty sometimes. <laughs> it pays to be. Nimble, yeah, and sure. young, and on drugs. <laughs> uh, what? Oh no, not that part. It pays. That paid <laughs> negative money, actually. right? Exactly. So, uh, what else you got for us, Professor? Anything uh, you want to uh, bring up, or you want to ask me anything? Um, yeah, I mean, well, you started talking about some of the clubs that you know, and before we even got on air, you you brought up the idea that you and Brian probably crossed paths at some oh, point. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, talk a little bit about that. Where you uh, think that might have happened? Well, I mean, I I did the original Hard Rock, which was on McKinney Avenue in Dallas. Okay. That was like 87 when I started DJing. And it's okay. I'll tell you how old I am. I'm 50. So that was 87. Where's your enthusiasm? Yeah, right. No, it's good. Hey, at least I'm alive, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was 87. I started off there, then went to the Centrum Building, uh, and it was a club called Profiles. And then they closed that. And by the way, that was where Jerry Jones was on my dance floor. So <laughs> he was out there all just grooving and just yeah. getting. He's he's been known to be out there in the oh, Dallas. I've nightlife. seen him. I have seen him escorted uh, out uh, here and there. What? What's what's going on? <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's a Jerry note for me, Kelly. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but but uh, Jerry, you know, was on my floor, and then uh, Ed Tutal Jones. I mean, I've seen them all. Like uh, they all used to hang out there. Uh, God, you name it, dude. And then uh, of course, Red Jacket shout out, uh, Lizard Lounge shout out. Spent many a nights there. And uh, just uh, total debauchery and getting paid for <laughs> total it. Total debauchery. Yeah, total debauchery and getting paid for it and making a living at uh, partying and playing music. And I got into that for girls, and I did okay. 
<laughs> and it worked. It turns out, believe it or not, uh, yeah. And it turns I, and out I, the stories. Of are course, true. I was I was always kind of like Brian, uh, the path of least resistance. You know, I wanted yeah. to do the least amount for the highest yield. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think we all. I was that. like, well, okay, and then I'll be a DJ. <laughs> and actually, I did. So, <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. Um, no, I mean, I don't have anything else other than um, you know. Uh, Reach out to us at thispinkcloud.com. Uh, it'll route you to our page, actually, right now. Give us a like. Give us a share and yeah. all that good stuff. But if you ever have anything you want to talk to us about, get advice. We can do it. We can give it to you. Yeah, you we know? may be crazy, but there's a few things we know. One is uh, how we got sober, and we're always willing to share that with anybody that wants to hear it. Right. And um, can maybe help. You do the same. If you're in that boat, if you're uh, ready to try and make a change, then uh, we can maybe help push you along that way. Um, right. Also, Thanksgiving coming up. Everybody be safe. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Wear, wear these things right here. little masks. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, uh, so, um, yeah, as far as the club thing goes, so uh, that was pretty much it on that one. But... Uh, Let's see, what else do we have? Oh, yeah, just to mention again, we have uh, Dusty Burroughs coming up from Sober Basics. And I'll talk a little bit about that app. And we'll talk, oh, not app. It should be an app. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, be yeah, app exactly. But uh, no, it's a, it's a website that uh, where he has, um, you know, a community of addicts and, yeah. and uh, currently addicts and also, you know, alcoholics. And, uh, you know, it's just great. It's a great community vibe. Uh, and we'll get into it more next week. But it's so cool um, that you can just, you know, hop on and you can relate to people because they're all over their sobriety. Um, you know, there's people struggling that's that are trying to get sober. Yeah. There are people that with 30 days, there are people with eight years, you know. So yeah. uh, and I actually I think Brian is a member of the uh, Sober Basics as well. So it's a good community, and I highly recommend it. Um, other than that, uh, Nolan, you got anything else? No, I mean, you know, you keep saying the word community. I just always want to um, point that out to anyone who's who's given this a shot without the help of other people. Right. Um, all I can talk about is what I know for me. And what I know for me is I never was able to pull this off without the help of other people. Sure, and I never. I, I agree totally because like if you if you're just trying to white knuckle it out there in yeah. your own world and you're in your own head, chances are it's not going to work. I mean, it has worked, but you know, very uh, rarely has it to, worked to varying degrees uh, with the worked there. But um, right. no, I mean, you know, and I don't mean help like a money or a job. Right. Well, I, I think I think the, with you and I yeah. and like even with our little summer sky crew, you know, we're kind of holding every each other accountable, you know, and we're there for each other and we can relate because we went through the exact same thing, you yep. know. I mean, I, th I just think something happens when we all get together for that purpose of right. trying to get better. Right. Um, it, it seems to increase the odds of success. Yeah, I uh, agree. Totally. And Sober Basics is a way that people do that. And um, yeah, and they can also meetings. They can also know, get on there on, to shows like on the on the Sober Basics. They can actually get on there and, and ask for advice from other addicts like, hey, I'm looking for a Zoom meeting. And boom. Or whatever. You yeah. know, somebody, will, there'll be like 20 replies and go, oh, okay, it was that easy? All right. <laughs> 
But um, I guess uh, what uh, what what are we doing on time there, Charles? So we're yeah, probably about five minutes. Yeah, about five minutes. About five. About huh? What's okay? Minus one. <laughs> minus one. We're at minus one minutes. Whatever that means. <laughs> we're at, no, we're Is at, that the end? No, I know what it means. No, I know what it means. I gotcha. Um, well, you know, shoot, I'll tell another story. Why not? You're okay, talking about go ahead. stories. Um, so that you know, uh, after I. After I left my sisters, or was asked to leave my sisters, mm-hmm. um, that's when I sort of became a- as homeless as you can get. Okay. You know what I mean? Did you have a car? I had a car. The until, 92 Honda. Yeah, okay. 92 Honda Accord until, right. uh, I guess we'll go into this story. So I started <laughs> doing this thing where I would, um, this was back when there were like prepaid cell phones that you could buy oh, yeah, at Walmart. Dude. The okay. old burner phones? Yeah, nice. yeah. I was, I would uh, steal those from of Walmart. Of course. And you then would borrow I, them without asking. Yeah. And then I would call the uh, 800 number where you're supposed to, uh, you know, like the customer service line for these phones. Right. And uh, complain to them long enough until they activated it. <laughs> and they would fall for it. They would fall had, for it. You had it down. Okay. And then they would, and then I'd sell those phones. And um, I did have a car and I was living in that for a little bit until I let a uh, guy named Rock okay, borrow a, my car. That's a good name. Which is always a red flag. Sure. You, you want to stay away from people named Rock. <laughs> um, and then he let a girl named Snow <laughs> borrow it, which was not part of the plan. Um, also stay away from girls named Snow. Um, anyways, they, they wrecked it into... Uh, into uh, a building. Oh, nice. Yeah, into cool. a building. Any particular building, or was um, it? Yeah, actually, it was... Um, it was I'm a 7-Eleven. Sure I, I, I think Statute of Limitations is up on that by now. Right. Um, no, it was a uh, a building off of Vickery Boulevard in Fort Worth, Texas. Ah. Um, and uh, anyways, you know, that was the end of that car. Right. <laughs> Which is really a bummer. That was my, you know, that was my home. Sure, of course. You had all your stuff in there. They wrecked my poor home. That's hilarious. Hey, Um, I got a question for you. I can just pull you off of that subject, and we can save that story for later. But uh, do you still, still today, this is always a good question, and I always find the answer usually intriguing if the person's intelligent. (laughs) But uh, do you still have triggers to this day? Like, I mean, do you still have stuff when you go out, like, that still, like, you go... Damn. So I'm not a big proponent of triggers. Okay. Okay. And that's uh, that's for me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I really kind of think that I have crossed over into a realm of addiction where anything can be a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can wake up on a random Wednesday and just wake up triggered. Right. Um, if I don't take care of business, then... Almost anything can be a conversation. Whatever. And as far as business, what do you mean? Now Staying I, active yeah, in your I recovery? Will say the one thing that is a trigger for me, and mm-hmm. this is just, you know, I'm a former IV user. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, seeing veins okay. immediately puts my head into that space. Ah, Kind of sad and weird. You but, are. I'd love that. And but we, it's true. Yeah. No, I mean. But it's true. Now, as far as taking care of business, what I mean by that is uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Staying connected to other people. Uh-huh. Um, staying through AA and. Through through 12-step meetings, through, um, you know, websites, through the phone. Yeah, Call sure. people, talk sure. to them. 
Um, just staying connected to other people. I also, uh, I have a, I try and stay pretty disciplined about waking up in the morning and starting my day in the right kind of headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, with prayer, with some reading Mm -hmm. that kind of puts me out there into the world with the thought of, okay, this is the goal today for one, not drinking and doing any drugs. That's always priority uno. Right. But also carrying some kind of uh, positivity into the day. Um, but you know, I mean, those are, those are examples. Um, I do attend 12 step meetings. Um, I think they're important, but, uh, you know, just little things, something, some kind of routine, some kind of discipline, um, to get me out of my own mind. Cause my mind is weird. My mind right. can see veins on speaking someone's of your, arm and all of a sudden speaking go off of your uh speaking of your mind being weird and the whole veins thing uh-huh, uh-huh. guess where i'm going with this uh we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about it uh in uh in rehab i found out I that my uh, <laughs> my little friend over here has a uh, fear of glitter and hold on, hold on. It is titled Sparklophobia. Apparently it has a name. Okay. Yes, Sparklophobia. So, the only person that I know that has Sparklophobia is sitting across from me right now. It's not a fear. It's a respect for what glitter can do. <laughs> not everyone knows how dangerous glitter can be. I mean, we're all laughing, but I'm serious about this. <laughs> you, you think about it. It's a tiny little piece of metal. All right. Just because it's sure. sparkly and pink doesn't mean your kids should be playing with it. <laughs> if you just dumped out a bunch of metal shavings and said, start playing with that, <laughs> you're doing the same thing. So, uh, What if it gets in your eye, Kelly? What are you going to do then? Uh, wash it out. Water. I mean, that's one option. Okay. That's the you could lose your eye, option, too. <laughs> right? You could... Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a real thing. People okay, have but, lost uh, now, their eyes because but, of Okay, so, no, but, t- uh, you know, how uh, Brian was talking about how it shapes you, like, early on, like, yeah. you know, his mom saying, you know, your little chunk of change. How did you so, get yeah. to, yeah, I mean, how did the fear come about? I don't know what age I was, but I was, you know, I don't know, pl- probably playing with my sisters, doing some arts and crafts thing, and there was glitter. Right. And... My dad innocently, innocently and casually was like, oh, don't get that stuff in your eye. You'll lose your eye if you do that. And uh, he doesn't even remember saying that. But right. for whatever reason, that stuck in my head. <laughs> and I don't trust glitter. Oh, I, mean, I know. Just yeah. talking about it's making me feel anxious a <laughs> little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm just yeah. kind of, you know, keeping my eyes peeled, making sure there's not any glitter around. <laughs> We've got a surprise for you. We're gonna have a glitter cannon, dude. All you of know, a sudden, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a chapter in uh, in Brian's book actually where he talks about uh, going to a strip club and just not enjoying strip clubs and hating them. All right um, now he doesn't enjoy them because I don't enjoy them because there's glitter. <laughs> there's glitter involved. I, keep the glitter away from me. I'm serious. You can't trust strippers. They have glitter on them. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> hilarious, man. I love that. And I love that we got that in. And we will be bringing that up uh, often. I'm sure you will. Sparklophobia. I'm, I don't trust him. I don't trust Kelly. I feel like he's going to glitter bomb me one day. <laughs> one day. And that'll be the end you're of gonna our get, friendship. You're going to get a special birthday card, Christmas card, and... 
Here you go, Nolan. You better not. You better not. I'm just going to keep on. I'm going to give you a card like every day, and it'll just be a nice card saying, hey, good job, buddy. And then just one day, it just you in the back of your head. You're gonna. I'm going to give you a fear of greeting cards. Uh, you're already doing it. <laughs> Glitter belongs in secured containers. Right. That's where it belongs. Well, hey, what do you say we wrap it up for this week yeah. and then, uh, uh, you know, Early happy Thanksgiving. Happy so, Thanksgiving, everyone. Be safe. Yeah, Be yeah. Definitely wear your mask out there and hit us up on thispinkcloud.com uh, and just send us any questions you have. Next week, we have uh, Dusty Burroughs from Sobar Basics. Looking forward to it. And should be a good show, but thanks for hanging out. And thanks again to Brian Cuban. And we will see you next week. See you guys. Ooh.